Oh, yay. Oh, yay. This is SCOTUS Talk, a nonpartisan podcast about the Supreme Court for lawyers and non-lawyers alike. Brought to you by SCOTUS Blog. This is it. Okay, this is Dobbs. It's loading. Give me a moment. This is the Supreme Court's decision. The opinion is delivered by Justice Alito. The opinion is delivered by Justice Alito, joined by Thomas, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett. Thomas and Kavanaugh have filed concurring opinions. Roberts filed an opinion concurring in the judgment. Breyer and Sotomayor and Kagan have filed a dissenting opinion. This is the 213-page opinion. The Supreme Court. The Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. overturned the right, the constitutional right to abortion. Welcome to SCOTUS Talk. I'm Amy Howe. Thanks for joining us. We're recording this on Friday, June 24th, just a few hours after the Supreme Court issued its historic decision in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, overruling the court's landmark decisions in Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey, establishing the constitutional right to an abortion. Crowds were gathered at the court even before the ruling, and demonstrations followed the announcement of the decisions. The court divided five to four on whether to overrule Roe and Casey, but Chief Justice John Roberts agreed with the majority that the Mississippi law, which would ban almost all abortions after the 15th week of pregnancy, should stand. Justices Stephen Breyer, Sonia Sotomayor, and Elena Kagan penned a rare joint dissent. They warned that the ruling had undermined the court's legitimacy because the public would believe that the reversal was due solely to the change in the court's membership over the last few years. Joining me to discuss Friday's ruling is law professor Mary Ziegler. She's an expert on abortion law, and she's a professor at the law school at UC Davis. Mary, thanks so much for making time for us today. Thanks for having me. So I just want to start with a very basic question. Were you surprised by today's ruling, particularly after the leaked opinion? Uh, No. Um, I think that uh, the court in the leaked opinion made clear that it doesn't care about the kinds of constraints that have usually limited the court. Um, And today's opinion confirmed that. So let's start with the majority opinion by Justice Samuel Alito. What stood out to you? Um, I think there were a couple of things about Justice Alito's opinion. Probably the most striking is the moment when Justice Alito says essentially, um, you know, people have argued or worried that maybe this opinion will damage our legitimacy. And we're not in a position to say if it will. But ultimately, that's not our problem, essentially, Justice Alito says, that if people are unhappy about this opinion um, or people are unhappy about the state of their constitutional rights, that's not our concern, um, which is a, a kind of incredible thing for the court to say. I mean, in one way, obviously, the court is, is not a policymaker. And in another way, for the court to announce essentially that people's views of the court and people's views of their rights don't matter. That was, I I think, a very unusual thing to see in an opinion. So Justice Brett Kavanaugh joined the majority opinion, but he filed a separate concurring opinion. And one of the things he mentioned involved other issues related to abortion, whether or not states could ban travel to another state to obtain an abortion, whether or not states could criminalize past abortions. And he seemed to say, those aren't hard questions. Those would not pass constitutional muster. But where do you see the battle over abortion going after this? 
I think the the battle on abortion will will um, probably primarily uh, move into the states, obviously, but not exclusively. Um, we'll see uh, states that are sort of in between, like Virginia, um, move toward a ban on abortion, um, at least at some point in pregnancy, and then be pushed to go much further. Um, we'll see states that are red debating how far to go in surveying pregnant people, how far to go in introducing really harsh penalties on potentially pregnant people as well as doctors, how broadly to define accomplices, how broadly to regulate speech related to abortion. Um, and I think those will be debates decided largely within the Republican Party rather than between the Republican Party and anybody else. And then I think in blue states, there'll be a kind of parallel debate about how far to go in protecting abortion rights, especially uh, insofar as people um, traveling from out of state are concerned. And so let's pull back to the 35,000 foot level, or I guess the 50 state level, but what exactly does today's ruling mean for access to abortion? In the short term, today's ruling um, will mean that a little more than half the states have laws in place that will ban all or most abortions. Um, obviously, that's just the starting point. Um, we have reason to believe that that may continue. Uh, that list may continue to grow. Some of those states have announced that abortion in their states is already illegal. Um, others have some kind of mechanism that needs to be satisfied before those laws can go into effect. Yet others have constitutional litigation like Michigan ongoing that may determine whether those laws can go into effect. Uh, in other states that don't have such laws on the books, abortion remains as legal as it was the day before. Um, so it really, whether there is a legal abortion in your state depends on where you live and will change dramatically over time. And I want to be very clear about that. Like what is true tomorrow or next week or in 30 days is not necessarily where things are going to stay because the court has opened the door to any kind of state regulation pretty much you can imagine. That actually sets up my next question. The majority said that the test for whether or not restrictions related to abortions or, you know, past muster, now is what's known as rational basis scrutiny. And it's the most mm -hmm. lenient form of review for courts. Basically, the, the majority said, as long as the state has a legitimate interest in regulating abortions, then restrictions will pass muster. Are there any restrictions that, that you can imagine that would fail rational basis scrutiny? It would be interesting. We've seen some um, people campaign in red states on the idea of abolishing an exception for the life of the pregnant person. Um, there's a decent argument, even if you're looking exclusively at the views of 19th century leaders, that um, a, a life of the, the mother pregnant person exception um, would be needed. Um, there's maybe an argument there, um, but I, I would be surprised ultimately if that's true. And then the last question I have for you, the majority insisted that today's ruling is not going to affect other constitutional rights, like the right to same-sex marriage, the right to be intimate in a same-sex relationship, the right to contraception. Those rights were all established in Supreme Court decisions like Griswold versus Connecticut on contraception, Lawrence versus Texas on same-sex intimacy, Obergefell versus Hodges on same-sex marriage. The dissenters said, in essence, you should be worried. And Justice Clarence mm -hmm. Thomas, in a separate concurring opinion, argued that for all of the same reasons, 
that underlie the majority's decision, the idea, he said, that there is no what's known as substantive due process. The Constitution does mm-hmm. not protect these unenumerated rights. Those are also not constitutional rights, and the court should take up cases to reconsider those landmark decisions. When you looked at the logic of the majority opinion, you know, is the distinction that the majority draws one that sort of has, ba- has a basis in, in, in the law? Well, it, it's absolutely possible to, to take the path that, you know, abortion is different because it's the taking of a life. Um, that, of course, will encourage folks who want to argue that abortion itself is an unconstitutional violation of fetal rights to return to the court, because the majority opinion seems more sympathetic to that argument than to some of the arguments about substantive due process made in Justice Thomas's opinion. But of course, the majority opinion also spends a lot of time on the idea that the only rights we have are those deeply rooted in history and tradition, um, and spends a lot of time trying to establish that at the relevant point in constitutional history, abortion abortion was a crime, so there could be no constitutional abortion right. If I substituted the word same-sex intimacy or birth control or a variety of other things in that sentence for abortion, it would still be true. And so I think the question is, you know, to what extent is the court willing to follow this, this kind of line of constitutional reasoning to its logical conclusion, which would be that there are a variety of constitutional rights that deserve reexamination um, in the court's view, not just abortion. So I think it, it really depends on which of those approaches the court ultimately ends up taking. Mary Ziegler, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. That's another episode of SCOTUS Talk. Thanks for joining us. And thanks to our production team, Katie Barlow, Eleanor Erskine, Angie Goh, and James Ramoser.